It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. By remembering their story, 
by telling their stories, by passing it down, by becoming a rifleman. And what is a rifleman? A rifleman isn't just a person that uh, that has a rifle or that shoots. A rifleman, if you've been to an Appleseed event, isn't a person just uh, who scores a two-titter above on the uh, uh, AQT. A rifleman never stops learning. A rifleman never stops teaching. A rifleman continues to seek ways to protect the freedom the Founding Fathers left us to improve himself, his home, his family, his community, his state, his country, every day of his life. A rifleman adapts, a rifleman overcomes, and a rifleman persists. And this is not just some fancy gilded rhetoric we throw around like popcorn and pennies. This is the code that we live by. And there's nothing wrong. And I don't mean, uh, no matter how many times you hear it, from the talking heads in the media, uh, there's nothing outdated or corny or stupid or cavemanish with having a code to live by in your life. Most Americans have forgotten their code. They've forgotten how to be Americans. We're here to help them remember. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, for tuning in this evening. We've got a great show coming up. <clears throat> Last week we had uh, some of the opening remarks from the Fort Stewart, Georgia, uh, Appleseed Instructors special event, and that's where we went down to. Uh, I say went down, went over to Georgia, and uh, gave fundamentals of rifle marksmanship instruction to American Guard troops getting ready to uh, deploy, making sure that uh, they too had a chance to become the masters of their rifles, because God forbid that they need them and. And they don't have the skills they need. We want to make sure that they do. We want to make sure that every American does. This is one of the things that we that connects us to the founding fathers. It connects us to our ancestors and to those who came before us, those men and women who stood together on April 19, 1775. Rifle marksmanship. That's something that we we can have in common with them if we choose to. <clears throat> All right, before we get started on that, let's uh, let's run through quickly the upcoming events. We've got two events left of this year. And uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, before I speak to you again, it will be uh, Christmas 2009 will have come and gone. And the last two events of the year are right here in Davila, Texas, December 26th and 27th, and uh, then in Calverton, New York, December 27th and 28th. Now, it's getting me a little hot because I'm thinking that uh, uh, for years now I've had the first and last apple seeds in the uh, in the nation right here in uh, Davila, Texas. And uh, I'm thinking that this particular apple cedar 
must have set this up so he could have his uh, be the last one of the year in 2009. I may just add a third day. I, I think I will, as a matter of fact. I think I'll add a third day. And all the uh, uh, actual distance shoot right here at the villa on the 28th. And, uh, and then maybe uh, let a few folks stay over to shoot some more on the 29th. Maybe we'll have a four-day apple seed. I think I will. All right. Yeah, I'm going to. Nobody's going to beat me. Nobody's going to beat me at this game. All right. <clears throat> Starting in uh, January 2010, Alamogordo, New Mexico, on the 9th and 10th. Austin, Texas, January 9th and 10th. Corona, California, 9th and 10th. Hubertus, Wisconsin, the 9th and 10th. The next weekend will be the 16th and 17th, and that starts off in Fresno, California. Then Kingman, Arizona. Mayaka City, Florida. North Little Rock, Arkansas, and Piru, California. That will bring us up to the next weekend, which is the 23rd and 24th of January. That starts off in Lemoore, California, Ramsar, North Carolina, Sacramento, California. Then the next weekend is January 30th and 31st. That will be Buckeye, Arizona, and Dulzura, California. All right. Now, as I said, we're going to have uh, we're going to have the the guys who uh, went to the Fort Stewart shoot. I asked them all to uh, <coughs> to call in this evening, and uh, and we'll talk to them, and get them to uh, talk about uh, the event the Fort Stewart event, how they, uh, what they thought about it, their experiences there, uh, working with uh, the uh, American soldiers getting ready to deploy, uh, <clears throat> and we're going to have, we're going to play for you the audio from uh, Santa Martha, who was uh, running the show down there, and we'll have the audio from his opening comments. Uh, I had to split it up into two sections here to get uh, to get it to upload to the program. So we'll play it both. I think each one is probably about uh, eight or nine minutes. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get uh, started with uh, Santa Martha. Yeah, I'm here. All right. Well, you probably heard me then just uh, now talking about this. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, we're going to talk for a few minutes, you and me, and then uh, uh, I'm going to grab a couple of the other folks real quick and uh, and uh, just uh, say hi, and then uh, then we'll get started with the the audio. But uh, first off, <clears throat> just give me a. a a quick rundown. You probably, I'm sure you probably remember uh, a little bit of what you said. 
but uh, just give us a, a quick overview of, of what we're going to hear. This is the opening comments uh, that you made for the event. Yes. Um, Every, everybody has had... their own way of starting a show up, uh, and uh, and I was speaking to you a few minutes ago on the phone. I told you I said I really like I really like your show, and uh, and I'm actually uh, I'm, I've already told him I'm planning to steal some of uh, Santa Martha's show to incorporate to my own, and uh, uh, that is the that's a sign of a great shoot boss, somebody who's willing to steal from every other shoot boss that they've seen in order to perfect their show. <clears throat> but uh, Santa Martha has a great show, and he's going he's gonna to tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Well, this actually, this was uh, – well, what you're going to hear is really the end state. Um, when we started out, actually, uh, it was pretty, pretty sketchy what we had briefed the soldiers on in the morning. Uh, after the range officer in charge uh, gave his morning briefing, we'd just step up and say, okay, form by platoons over here, grab ammo, go down to the firing line, we'll give you further instructions. And with some feedback from the soldiers over the first two or three days, um, it became obvious that if we did a little more explaining, it helped to motivate the soldiers more. And also, uh, we came to realize that some of these gentlemen, they were artillery troops. And so they're, they're messing with the big guns most of the time. And it wouldn't hurt for us to go over a little bit about the, the M4 carbine and what it could do and how to use the side end target and just kind of refresh their memory there. And, of course, along the way, we're trying to, we're trying to remain motivational and upbeat, that this is important. This is something, as we talked about last week, marksmanship always matters. It's not just this one special uh, instance, this one special deployment. So that's what we tried to do, and I think that uh, Old Glory was able to catch pretty much the final product on the on the recorder there. Okay. Uh, I'm not able to, uh, you know, I got here early. I don't know what is wrong with my chat program. I'm sure they're all in there chatting away, and uh, I am still having problems with opening it up. Uh, I was going to ask the folks in there to uh, post their uh, their numbers, so I could bring some of them on before, uh, just to say hi, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and play the uh, opening comments, and then uh, and then we'll bring some of them on. Okay, let's go. Here it goes. Here's the uh, part one. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Is this loud enough? My name is Ron Vander. Georgia. Maybe a little bit loud. I'm the right. chief boss for the Appleseed Contingent that's coming for this mission. The Appleseed Project is groups of volunteer instructors who travel around the country and do weekend missions to teach marksmanship and Revolutionary War history to our citizens. The Army has invited us to come and help give you all a refresher before you have to go overseas. Now, the qualifications of these instructors, most of them, not all, are prior service. The main qualification, the most significant to me, is they are all what I define as riflemen. They are all able to take a rack-grade military-type rifle, zero the rifle, and effectively engage man-sized targets out to 500 meters with iron sights. They can all do this. They have done it. You have to do it to get the hat. Not only that, they're all volunteers. You men all volunteered, didn't you? Nobody here got drafted. You stepped up and you did something that you knew needed to be done. 
uh, likewise with us. Not only are we volunteers, but uh, whenever we came down here to do this mission, Appleseed Headquarters and its infinite wisdom did not see fit to offer reimbursement for expenses. So not only are we volunteers to come teach you, we are paying to come here for the week to teach you. These men and women have spent their own money on airline tickets and travel. They are taking time away from their business, time away from their vacation time, time away from their families because they think this is something important that we can contribute to. In my book, that means that you owe us. And what you owe us is one day out of your one and only life. One day where you focus on what we try to tell you and you make an honest effort on your part to implement the things that we are going to ask you to do. Now, the things that we are going to ask you to do are going to be unfamiliar. The training you're going to have today is unlike anything that the Army has ever trained you, trained you with. You are going to be crowded together on the firing line. None of this nonsense about 10 or 20 meters between soldiers. You're going to be almost shoulder to shoulder on the firing line. Your buddy's brass is going to be bouncing off your K-pop, and if you're very unlucky, going down the neck of your body arm. You are going to have muzzle blasts very close to you and dust blowing over you. This is intentional. When you get into combat, it's going to be this way or worse. You need to have some experience with it before you get into combat. We call it the rifleman's bubble. Whenever you step up to the firing line and you're about to fire a string of fire, you need to mentally put yourself in a little bubble that pushes away the rest of the world. Where the only thing you're thinking about is the most important thing to you for the next two or three minutes. Put the bullets where they need to go. By the end of the day, you won't even notice it when the brass bounces off your helmet. When you go to a normal uh, Army firing line, you've got 10 meters between each other. It's going to seem boring after this. The other thing is we are very detail-oriented. We're not going to tell you to show up on the line, load 20 rounds, shoot it, and get the hell off the line. What we're going to do is have instructors coming down the line giving you individual attention. They will be correcting your positions and your techniques, giving you advice. They will be going to the target line with you to look at your targets, analyze them, and give you advice. This is not merely an exercise where you get to go shoot guns. This is an exercise where you are taught a better way to do it with a lot of attention to detail. Now, most of the things that we're going to tell you will seem to be nitpicking. <coughs> things about breathing, trigger control, checkpoints in, in particular firing positions. They'll seem to be very minor issues. When you add them all together, it makes a huge difference. Now, Americans, American soldiers have had a tradition of marksmanship. At Northbridge on April 19th, three minutes of concentrated firepower, a bunch of civilians, civilian militia, as a matter of fact, shock farmers and shopkeepers, they broke three companies of British infantry three minutes of concentrated firepower and sent them routing through the streets of Concord. And it's not changed since then. Every war that we fought, individual marksmanship, proficiency with the soldiers' individual weapons has been a significant factor. Where you're going, it will be no different. Marksmanship always matters. Now, you might be able to shoot 40 out of 40 on an Army qualification course. That's pretty good. However, it can be much better because hitting a man-sized target at 300 yards is one thing, but your enemy is not stupid. 
he is not going to intentionally expose a man-sized target to shoot at at 300 meters. What you're going to have to shoot at is half his head and his right shoulder. So you're going to have to get a basketball-sized target at 300 meters. Any of you guys play football in a past life? Okay, what are the two things you have to be able to do to win at football? More basic than that. Block and tackle. To win at football, you must be able to block and tackle. If you can't do that, you're hosed. If you can block and tackle, doesn't guarantee you'll win. It just means you can start to make your playbook. What we teach are the fundamentals, like blocking and tackle. Once you get the fundamentals down, then you build your playbook on top of that. A CQB, a sniping, a practical rifle, or a normal army rifle. That's your playbook. But the fundamentals have to undergird it. The fundamentals what we'll drill on. Yeah, um, I'm, I don't know that it's a. I don't know that it's something that uh, we did. I think that might be from the original. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I can get it to. You. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Ron Vanderbilt. Nope, it just. Uh, I'm the chief. He killed it right there. Hold on just a second. Has come up for this mission. The Appleseed Project is group. Yeah, you can't see him there. He's going to be the Ranger OIP. He's going to take over. Right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Where's the scout between it? Over here in the corner. Have you gentlemen zeroed your optics? Uh, hold on just a minute. <laughs> it's, it's jacking with me, man. It's jacking with me. Okay. All right. Well, if you want to DX the rest of this recording, I can just give the last paragraph Have you gentlemen zeroed your optics? from the transcript. Negative. Negative. Have any of you gentlemen had experience on these optics prior to today? Okay. 
Okay, I'm going to stop it right there, and that's where we'll pick it back up. I keep saying I'm going to stop it, and we'll pick it back up. The uh, the BlockDoc software here on the switchboard, <clears throat> if you have your cursor, it continuously is refreshing the page. Uh, and if your cur- wherever your cursor is sitting or wherever it's, if it's moving across some point and the uh, BlockDoc page decides to refresh, then that's where you're going. It's right there to whatever that cursor was on. All right. Go ahead and give us the uh, give us the uh, the explanation and the discussion of what we just heard. Okay. Well, this actually happened whenever I had a had an opportunity to do some drive time during the week and think things through and tried to lay things out in a logical fashion. Um, let's see. I think from where the recording started uh, messing up from from there on, I talked about the zeroing process and uh, about our firing point procedures. Is that is that because uh, it's split into two pieces? Well, maybe that was just maybe it just maybe that was the split. I didn't I haven't been able to listen to the split yet. Now the second part that starts up starts up with you saying, "Have you gentlemen zeroed your rifles yet?" So yeah, that's actually the second part of it. Okay, so that's where it, so it stopped then. It just stopped at the right place. Yeah, I, I believe that the voice recorder probably had a maximum of like five minutes or ten minutes recording time for one recording. Okay. All right. Well, then we'll just pick it up right back there. But go ahead and give us give us a rundown on it. All right. Well, the second part of it was basically me going over our firing point procedures for Appleseed. Um, the only the only thing that uh, that I think to be interesting in the second point is uh, the second part is at the very end where I pointed out to the soldiers that it's, it's one day. We only get one day with you. It's going to be long, hot. Uh, but if they look at it as a training opportunity, uh, keep a good attitude. Look at it as challenges to be overcome. Then 11 hours from now, when you're sitting on the bleachers again, and we're about to, to leave, it'll be all over with and it'll be okay. And uh, I think I said something between now and then, there will be times when it's going to suck. Just uh, embrace the suck and work through it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's an Army thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, now is the uh, the the second part isn't where you were reading out the where you were giving these these scores, right? That was during uh, right. That was at the end of the day. Okay, so that I've got that too. I've got the uh, Sergeant Reinhardt closing. There's a Sergeant Reinhardt's close. That's, uh, if I remember correctly, that is whenever uh, the battalion thanked us for coming and uh, uh, gave us their little award. And then I think uh, there should be a record there that's, uh, it should be labeled something to the effect of Son of Martha's closing remarks Thursday, I think. Right. Okay. But in any event, it, uh, most of this came from, uh, like I said, from observing the soldiers. And also we had one of our instructors, I was very fortunate, that Cap, uh, Robert Kaplan, was uh, stationed at Fort Stewart just before he got out of the Army. And he got out of the Army uh, just like six, eight months ago. So he had a very fresh view of what these soldiers were going through and their attitudes and such. And he was able to... Uh, to give me a few pieces of information, like needing to refresh to them the zeroing procedures and some of what the rifle can do. He pointed out that, you know, 
that if they don't live with their rifles, um, that a lot of these guys are not shooters for pleasure. It's part of the job. Uh, which with us in the Appleseed program, we're so used to people who love to shoot as a recreational activity or a skill-building thing that uh, sometimes it's helpful to be reminded that there's there's people who look at a rifle the same way I look at a hammer. Pick it up right. and use it when you need it and throw it down and forget about it. Right. Right, and we actually have people in Appleseed uh, who think about it that way. And, uh, and still, and they're actually the folks that... Uh, prove the maxim that uh, you can take a rat-grade rifle, surplus ammunition, and you can shoot to four minutes of arc. Because uh, we have a, a couple of guys here that I've seen who've taken their uh, very rough on some of their equipment, uh, you know, testing it out. They've taken their AKs, tossed them down on the ground, uh, emptied out a bucket of magazines next to them, threw their shirt down on the ground, then got down and started shooting. And uh, good grief! I mean, the, you just see, see that rifle hit the ground and kind of bounce a couple of times, and uh, <laughs> it makes a tear come to my eye. And you, and you still shoot it because that's what they're designed to do. I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, I guess he was testing his equipment, and uh, you know, and he, and he did a good job on it. Uh, I thought that your analogy, of course, with the uh, with the blocking. And tackling was just uh, superb because uh, a lot of times people get confused. When we tell folks that we're going to teach them uh, the absolutely best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship course in the nation right now, that uh, their minds, they're hearing, we're going to teach you the basics of rifle marksmanship. And though these two things are not the same, the basics of rifle marksmanship, which we happen to teach on, on quite a few times whenever we're, we've got people who are new, uh, is not the same as the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. Uh, the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship will travel with you no matter what level you're at, from not knowing where the bullets go to being a 1,000-yard uh, uh, shooter. The fundamentals of rifle marksmanship stay with you, and they do not change. They're still the same throughout all of that. That's absolutely true. That's one of my pet peeves, as a matter of fact. Appleseed is not a basic rifle marksmanship course. Not at all. It's good for beginning shooters, but that's, it's not a basic course. Yeah, and we, and we actually, uh, I don't know that we uh, initially started out that to be that, but we have actually uh, evolved, uh, at least I know from, uh, and I haven't been everywhere, but I've been to most places now across the nation, and I've, and I know for certain that here in Texas, and especially in Davila, that we have become uh, really, really expert at taking novice shooters, actually even beginning shooters, and transforming them from complete novices uh, to shooters who, who are very seldom do we have somebody that comes in that we can't bring down to uh, 10 to 15 minutes of arc, you know, by the end of an event. From, from being non-shooters to being 10 to 15 minutes of arc, which sounds like a big uh, a big group, but it's not. I mean, it's better than uh, uh, the greatest portion uh, of Americans. And, uh, and given one more event, we can usually bring them down to four minutes of arc. And that is quite an accomplishment because you're only talking about uh, four days. So we take... Uh, we become very skilled, our, our organization, the Appleseed Project has, in taking new shooters 
and bringing them up to the level where at the at the end of uh, two events, uh, you know, at two weekends, if they're shooting at four minutes of arc, then they're shooting better than 99.9% of their fellow American rifle owners. Uh, four minutes of arc is uh, it's not sniper quality, but it's better than uh, most people can shoot, and it's just about at the limit of what your uh, what a rat grade rifle with surplus ammunition will shoot. Yep, and that's and that's the uh, the absolute standard. Four okay, I'm going to bring on uh, a couple of more folks to, to talk, and we're going to we're going to listen to the second part of the. Uh, uh, of the uh, of the opening because I do have that area code five eight zero. You're on there five eight zero two seven eight. Yeah, Scout. Hey, who's this? Uh, it's OG. Well, hey OG, how you doing? I'm licking my wounds. Are oh, you? You sound like you're a little bit under the weather. Uh, I'm still recovering from that surgery. Oh my gosh. Well. How's the recovery going? I mean, is oh, I I can't wait to get behind my rifle again. It's going to be great. I'm not going to have no more pain. I can be able to get into positions better. It's just going to be better all the way around for 2010. Well, for for you guys that uh, don't know, OG, that's Old Grunt. Old Grunt uh, is a uh, instructor with the program. I was honored to have him at the Davila uh, boot camp. Uh, well, I guess a little bit less than a year ago. And yep. uh, and uh, he did a great job. He's uh, become a really hard charger. Uh, OG wasn't at the Fort Stewart show. Uh, he wasn't teaching the the men who were ready to deploy. But see, what he did do is he already deployed. He already deployed, and he already got uh, he already got uh, some uh, uh, some uh, Middle Eastern Iraqi uh, hardware. Uh, implanted in him uh, involuntarily, yeah. and uh, and uh, the doctors were helping to uh, to try and fix that situation. And uh, you were in my prayers, uh, old grunt. And uh, oh I, yeah, I hope you continue to mend because I'd like to see you back down here. And I don't know if I told you guys this. Uh, I think that I did mention it was at the last uh, boot camp in November. We had. Uh, uh, the guys uh, come on to the uh, on the radio show while they were here, and they were talking. And uh, it turns out that uh, Ogrunt and Mrs. Ogrunt were laying in bed listening to the show, and uh, and then she turned over to him and said, uh, uh, "You it looks like you would really like to be. You would really like to go. It'd probably be good for you." And uh, from what I understand, within uh, about fifteen to twenty minutes, he was on the highway, and. Uh, he came pulling into the uh, Davila designated Appleseed Range at six o'clock, the perfect wake-up time, blaring uh, his uh, uh, reveille uh, to all the sleeping guys and uh, getting them out of bed and getting them ready. And he helped uh, uh, for the next uh, couple of days uh, instruct the uh, the uh, new guys at the uh, at the boot camp. All right, well, OG. We're going to keep praying for you. I'm, you're going to keep listening to the show. I'm going to keep searching out some more of the uh, Fort Stewart guys. Yes, okay? sir. I'm not going to hang up on you. I'm just going to uh, uh, close your mic and open up some other ones. Okay. CMD? 
How do, Scout? Hey, how you doing? Fantastic, fantastic. Well, welcome to the show. Did you hear uh, Senator Martha's uh, the first section there? I did, I did. Now, do you remember that, or were you in the back catching some Z's too? No, I, I was sitting over on the side on the other bleachers listening to it, and I think that uh, when he came up with that that opening line uh, on his drive out to the range that day, I think he uh, got some inspiration from above on that because that was exactly the way that we needed to reach those soldiers. They paid very close attention after that. Uh, some of them were of the impression that uh, we were getting paid to be out there. And once they realized that we were doing it just because we thought it was a good thing to do, they paid a lot more attention than, than a couple of the previous classes did. Yeah, and that's something to make sure that uh, that's something that we need to make sure that we that we let folks know when they're when we are in positions like that is to make sure that they understand that we're not doing this out of some uh, mercenary heart. We're doing this because that's what we are called to do, and we're called to pass on the uh, fundamentals of rifle marksmanship. For several reasons, uh, and in this case, uh, along with helping them to uh, connect to the founding fathers and telling them the story and everything else, is that we are uh, absolutely interested in making sure that we're doing all that we can. That uh, God forbid they have to use their rifle for its intended purposes, that they hit the mark that they're shooting at. I believe we achieved that. I know we got some very good results. On the shooting side with them, uh, we also got some very good results on the heritage side with them too. Because yeah, I, I have to tell you that uh, we were we would be walking around the cantonment area after hours, uh, taking a break, going to the latrine, whatever, and soldiers would come by and say, "Hey, tell me some more about that history. Finish up the rest of that story. I want to hear it." <laughs> They did. A group of us coming back from the mess hall one night, and uh, we walked by, said hi, and first thing they said, hey, finish telling us about Sam Whittemore. And and Ron obliged him there. We had a an impromptu history lesson right there. And those guys were hungry for it. They could identify with those people. And they should be, because they're actually, these were, these were, uh, this wasn't the uh, regular Army troops. These were the same folks that came together uh, 234 years ago. They are, they are mechanics and uh, people who own restaurants and doctors and lawyers and, and everybody else who are being called to serve their nation. Uh, and I think it was absolutely perfect that they got to hear the history. Uh, in just a second, I'm going to play the... Uh, the second part of that. The only thing, uh, the only thing that I, I think that I cut out, Ron, uh, was the awarding uh, or the discussion of scores and stuff. Because I believe that was part of the instructions. Was uh, we're not going to mention the scoring. Although I'd be glad to tell everybody right now that uh, <clears throat> that all of our all of the folks that we train were greatly improved. So if you're looking for a weak place uh, uh, to attack, you better not pick these guys because uh, their rifle marksmanship turned out to be exemplary. 
Uh, but I did cut out the actual mentioning of scores and units. Uh, <clears throat> who told the uh, these stories while you were there? Well, we had a mix of people. Uh, actually, I think just about every one of the instructors had a turn at bat. I told them uh, I did not make specific time in our plan for history, I said, wherever you can fit it in, do it. So we would end up, you know, while they would be sitting there eating MREs, we'd have somebody get up and start talking to them. I think one day we even end up had a, had a tag team of the three strikes uh, during chow time. So you know, that shooter. has worked really good. I've seen that work before several times. Uh, first time I saw it was, well, didn't, uh, didn't you and JB – do that, uh, I think he coined the term Huntley and Brinkley uh, for the story. Oh, yeah, Fred and Bur uh, Junior Birdman, Huntley okay. and Brinkley. And uh, but, but it worked out got, really well. Yeah, uh, well, pretty much everybody got to, to tell their favorite history vignette. And, uh, uh, you know, P. Henry, Virginia Shooter, uh, Bama, um, I think actually did significant parts of it, and probably a few more guys whenever I was tied up with something else because I, I kept getting called away to to do one thing or another that wasn't directly related to what we were doing at the moment. But uh, the great thing was I didn't have to worry about it. With the instructors that we had there and the instructors in training, we worked together so well, and as part of the Alpha program, we've been able to prepare them so well, both for the technical part of teaching marksmanship and also in the history arena, that once we figured out, okay, this is going to happen, somebody's going to show up and bring and take Ron away every now and then with no warning, it was like, okay, I'll just pass the baton off to this fellow and be able to walk away from it and not worry about it because everybody knows their job. That's so right. Every, every aptitude instructor, before they get the red hat, they've got to know the story. And not just know it, they've got to be able to tell the story. And, uh, and we have some fine storytellers. Now, you were mentioning uh, in there how the militia with the uh, with aimed musket fire had managed to beat back the uh, the professional soldiers there, and I like to to hit home that point. You know, when I'm telling the story, because the the militia members, the colonials, most of them on uh, especially on uh, April nineteenth, seventeen seventy five didn't have bayonets. And the reason is is because they don't use bayonets. They they use their muskets for food, for defense, uh, and there's not really any good way that you can bayonet a squirrel or a rabbit into a stew pot. You gotta shoot it. And uh, and that makes the difference. You know, the British regulars their main weapon in battle was the bayonet. They would fire a volley to try and break the ranks of, of their opponents, and then they would close with their opponents and uh, use the bayonet as their main battle weapon. However, every single time that the colonials and the British regulars met, and it was on equal terms, equal you know, equal head-to-head, uh, -head, the Americans won the day because of rifle marksmanship, because that is where their particular skills uh, were used to their to their greatest assets. 
was in actual marksmanship. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to play uh, part two. And uh, one of the things I found is that uh, I can't adjust the audio. I just now found this out. I can't adjust the audio unless I do it before I hit on. So this is either going to be way too loud uh, or it'll be just right. Okay, this is uh, part two. Have you gentlemen zeroed your optics? Negative. Negative. Have any of you gentlemen had experience on these optics prior to today? Okay, a couple, but not all. All right. The Yangpoint M68 Close Combat Optical Gun Sight. It has got adjustments. First off, it has an on-off switch here. As you rotate it, it'll click. As you continue to rotate it, the dot will get brighter and brighter and brighter. You want to set the dot to the minimum brightness level for your ambient light condition. Be out here in bright sunlight, you're going to have to turn it up kind of high. When it starts getting dark, and especially at night, you're going to have to crank it down real low. So don't remember that you're going to have to fiddle with this. There's no one place to set it to get it. It has an elevation adjustment on the, uh, on the top. Unscrew the weather cover. When we go to side in, you'll fire your first group. We're going to teach you a thing called inches, minutes, clicks, where you can make calculations as to how many clicks you need to put in here to zero, zero your weapon. Unscrew the weather cover. You have what looks like a slot screwdriver head inside. It is marked with up and L. If it's on top, it means up. It's got an arrow pointing direction. If you turn it in that direction, you will move your shot group up. Use an expended cartridge case to adjust these. Once you've dialed your clicks in, take the cartridge case and just kind of tap on it to make sure it settles in, make sure the adjustment settles in. You have an elevation adjustment on the side. It is marked up. Yeah, windage, thank you. Windage, left and wide adjustment on the side. It is marked up and R with an arrow. Since it's on the side, it means right. If you turn it in the direction of the arrow, it will move your shot group to the right. Same thing, cartridge case to adjust, tap on it to make sure it takes it. During the day, as the sun moves overhead, you're going to have more or less light on your targets. You may come back after chow and find that you need to readjust your dot setting. Don't forget to do that. If the dot is turned up too high, it blooms and it makes it difficult to still obscure your target. This gun sight is designed particularly for close combat and intermediate range combat, out to about 300 meters. It is also extremely good for low light conditions and time critical engagements when you do not have time to necessarily take a proper firing position like we're going to show you, but you have to get a flash sight picture. It's good for that. Anybody have ACOGs? All right. The Advanced Combat Optical Gun Sight. That gun sight is designed to take up on the range band that this one leaves off. Those are best used, well, those are optimized for engagements beyond 300 meters. If you're using an ACOG, it's got a chevron with a vertical post beneath it. Use the top of the vertical post as your 25 meter aiming point when you zero. Now, when we go out to zero, we have an Army Zero target posted. We also have a target that's just one-inch squares. We're going to start on the Army Zero target, and if we need to, we'll overflow on the squares. We're going to end up doing probably five or six three-round groups to zero. Before zeroing, we're going to give you some instruction on position accounts. And your line boss, if he needs to, he may give you a sandbag or something for zero. Make sure we get it dialed in in a timely fashion. Has everybody zeroed on an army rank, uh, you, on an army target? Okay. 
But when you're zeroing on these, ignore the blocks. Pay no attention to the blocks. Use the inches, minutes, clicks formula that we're going to teach you. Our firing line procedures. We have a firing line marked with engineer's tape, and about 10 feet behind it, we have a dashed line painted on the ground that is the staging line. The ammunition boxes are to be evenly distributed along the staging line, half each platoon, of course, but evenly distributed within a platoon. Whenever you are not in a preparation period or firing a string, stand behind the staging line. Take your magazines with you and step back there. You can load magazines. We'll tell you what the next string of fire is going to be, how much you need to load. When your magazines are ready, just stand easy there. Once everybody's ready, we will say, Shooters, your preparation period begins now. You step up to the firing line, you can handle your weapon at that point. Get into position, adjust the sling, make any side adjustments you need to get ready to fire the string of fire. The initial preparation periods will be rather long, probably two to three minutes because people are making side adjustments. It'll speed up considerably once zeroing is complete, and we'll get to where the preparation periods are approximately 60 seconds. At the end of which you will hear the command, shooters, your preparation period has ended. With however many rounds, load. At that point, insert the magazine, chamber around, keep your finger off the trigger, and be ready to fire. The, li the uh, line boss will ask, is the line ready? You only answer this question if you are not ready. If you are not ready, wave your hand over your head. The nearest instructor will step up. He's going to determine if it's a safety issue. If it is not a safety issue, we will proceed while he helps you catch up. Is the line ready on the right? Is the line ready on the left? All ready on the firing line? Fire. Engage with a designated number of rounds or until the time limit expires. We'll call cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. Unload and clear. You unload your rifle, take your magazine, step behind the staging line, and either, if you know what's coming up next, start loading up, or otherwise just wait for instructions. Now, a clear rifle, what we define as clear with what we do, we're going to be issuing your chamber flaps. Looks like this. Just a little orange plastic tab that has a rod on it. <coughs> when you unload your rifle, magazine out, bolt locked to the rear, safety on, chamber flag inserted through the injection port into the chamber, Grounded on its left side, pointing down range, with no one touching it. That is what we define as a safe rifle. It has multiple overlapping layers of safety. Multiple overlapping layers of safety. So, when you get in your preparation period and can handle the rifle, one of the first things to do, go ahead and get the chamber flag out of the way. And you're going to sling up, get your position using what we teach you, and then start dry firing. Questions, comments? All right, it's one day, gentlemen. It is going to be a long day and a hot day. Sorry, there's nothing I can do about that. <coughs> do not look at this, though, as being a bad thing for your future welfare. Look at this as a training opportunity. Where you go, you're going to have uncomfortable conditions, and it may be hot, and you're going to be wearing body armor all, almost all the time. You need to be able to fire effectively. Look at these three challenges to overcome. 11 hours from now, 12 hours from now, when you're sitting in these bleachers again and we're about to leave, it'll all be over with then and it'll be okay. Between now and then, there's going to be times when it's going to suck. 
embrace the suck and work through it. Alright. Team Sergeants, can I have a word with you for a moment, please? And there we go. Second part of the first of the morning briefing. Okay. I had to wait just a second, as I told you, that uh, I have to wait. When, if I do any kind of commands here on the software, I have to. I can. I, I can make the command like on the switchboard, etc. But I have to wait for the page to refresh itself before it will uh, take effect. <clears throat> that sounds great. Uh, I've got the chat finally to open up for me, and I want to thank uh, Old Glory for getting the. Uh, uh, all the discs and stuff to me, and uh, she has the transcripts available, and uh, she just did a great job in helping to push this forward and and get everybody uh, uh, that's involved in this uh, on here. If you are one of the instructors and uh, you're in the chat, or if you call in, when you call in, just put your number. Uh, put your number in the chat so that I'll know that it's you and we'll get you on the air for this. Because I'd, like uh, uh, I'd like to hear from all the guys who uh, went down there and, uh, and find out what they, uh, what they thought about it. All right. Uh, so the guys had, uh, a lot of the guys had uh, sighting equipment that they weren't that familiar with, right? That's correct. Um, as a matter of fact, this was the first time that the vast majority of them had live fired with the optics. They were very familiar with iron sights and uh, had had the optics for a while, but had not had the opportunity to actually go out and test them out. So we were their, their first exposure, which is why I tried to go into so much detail about how to manipulate them. Okay, I'm going to bring uh, another of the uh, the guys on here. Let's see. All right, Dwayne? Yes. Okay, you're on the air. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you good. Okay. I've just never done this before, so uh, it's kind of new to me. All right. Well, now you were at the, you were at the Fort Stewart event, correct? That is correct. All right. And uh, so, give us uh, give us a little bit of info about uh, what you did while you were there, and uh, your thoughts on how it went. Well, uh, mostly I uh, did a lot of the grunt work, uh, posting targets, uh, carrying targets. Uh, things like that. You know, when uh, a lot of the speech, matter of fact, most of the speeches that Santa Martha did, I missed because uh, I was out on the line, getting things set up, getting ready for the troops. So uh, listening to the recordings was uh, kind of interesting because I hadn't heard of them. Some of them hadn't heard some of them before. 
Uh, then, of course, when the truth got out there, I did the instruction like I ordinarily or like I would at an apple seed. Now, and how did you guys, when you were running the show, uh, did you run it uh, like an apple seed event? What I mean is like you gave the, uh, uh, did you get them to shoot red coats? Yes, uh, we got them to shoot red coats um, to see where they were. Uh, trying to think, is that the first thing we did every morning? Yeah, it's pretty much the first thing we did every morning is getting to shoot a set of red coats. And then we rolled into the uh, Army's uh, cider target, and then we rolled into our cider targets. Okay, and you would just uh, you shoot the red coats, and then you start uh, uh, start running out the. Uh the slings, position, six steps, uh, IMC, and just uh, yeah. run it straight out like a regular show, right? Well, like a regular show, but uh, it's kind of hard to say it was regular because it was a very sharp learning curve the first couple of days. Uh, we were trying to get into a rhythm of uh, using of having 100 uh, students uh, trying to deal with the weather on the first day. And things like that. So I don't know that there was really anything regular about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying, and and, and th- to be honest, every apple seed, uh, every apple seed is its own individual unique thing. I mean, you can't say that you're going to have, you can't cookie cut them because you can't tell. Uh, you can't tell what your what your group of shooters how they're going to be made up. Uh, That's true. I mean, you're you, it's it's just it, you're it's something that you have to go with, uh, and you have to learn that you have to go with it. Uh, you know, as you as the days unfolding. Uh, yeah. Now, now, the thing is, when, the thing is, when you get that many uh, students on the line, though, you have you have an exponential increase in the chaos factor. I mean, uh, just because you know the, the largest uh, shoot that I've been at has been like about 25 people on the line. It doesn't, uh, you know, that's four times, and the people we have was about 100. So that's not a four times increase in problems. That's an exponential increase, uh, just for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've been to, to some fairly large shoots. Uh, one of the larger ones that I was at was right here at Davila. matter of fact, was at... Uh, uh, at a boot camp, and uh, it was uh, well, it was a couple of years ago, and I believe we had 27 folks there, and we had the uh, the firing line set up facing to the west, and uh, you know plenty of room for another dozen people, uh, you know maybe uh, 40 at the most. Uh, and we said okay, you know, so we're set. Uh, then uh, I got a call from a rifle woman, and uh, she does the uh, uh, she does the admin part for the apple seed, and she said, "Listen, I need to give you a heads up because you got uh, uh, another 65 shooters coming." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the after. Gosh. Yeah, I saw the after action report on that. Yeah, so we had to completely swing the line around 90 degrees, and we had to actually uh, go and get equipment right then and there. And uh, we were running equipment right up to the shooters on the edge of the line uh, on uh, Friday that we would have a berm ready for the shooters on Saturday. And you're right. Uh, when you get a long, when you get an extended line, uh, 80, 90, 100 people, it, it, it's a different animal because, 
it's like driving uh, a truck with three trailers attached to it. You know, if you're going to make a turn, you need to start take, thinking about that turn a quarter mile before you get there because, uh, you know, it's going to take that long for everybody else to get the message. <clears throat> but you also had, you guys also had the, uh, the, the, the good part of that is that you didn't have uh, uh, 25 or 30 civilians who didn't know anything about firearms or listening to instructions. You, know, you had a group of men who, who knew uh, at least uh, a good part uh, of the uh, information they needed to know about the firearms, and you also had the full weight of the uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice on your side, too. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. That was that was one of the things that I really uh, appreciated was the fact that they would listen to what you're saying and they would do what you told them to. Yeah, the, the folks, you civilians who haven't been in the military, let me tell you, uh, being in the military is a completely different uh, world. You can go to jail for not listening. I mean, uh, if you don't show up at the appointed time, at the appointed place, in the correct uniform, ready to give the proper greeting of the day, you can go to jail. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, it, I'm not telling you that they send a lot of people to jail for penny any stuff. I'm just telling you that there's laws and rules for everything, and one of them is listening. If you don't listen, you can go to jail. So, so that is an added benefit uh, for that. Uh, I'm going to bring a uh, another instructor on. Now this guy is uh he's kind of a newbie to shooting and kind of a newbie to you know the military uh way of doing things. He's uh, just a young fellow. Uh this is uh uh Doug in Virginia. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Scout? <laughs> Good. How you doing, newbie? <laughs> I've been doing real well. <laughs> For you guys that don't know, Doug is, is he's anything but a newbie. He's uh He's a master instructor with the Appleseed program, and uh, uh, I went through uh, the uh, mod boot camp that was taught by Santa Martha, and uh, Doug was my buddy, uh, and I tried to learn everything I could from him. Uh, but by the time Doug went through the boot camp at uh, Ramsher, uh, I think he'd already shot competitively uh, for the uh, for the military and on his own for about forty some years. So he wasn't uh, wasn't a whole lot new to it. But I do remember, Doug, you telling me that you wished that you would have had, you wish you would have gone through the uh, Appleseed Boot Camp in the very beginning before you started your uh, shooting career. Oh, definitely. Definitely. There was, uh, uh, in fact, that's one of the things that attracted me to the program was that when I got to thinking about it, the things that were taught in Appleseed are the same things that I had done when I was a, a serious competitive shooter. Right, and uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that want to shoot competitively. And uh, However, there's not a lot of places to learn it. I mean, there's very few, like, schools of high power. Uh, most of the time, uh, people are just, uh, they're expected to go out, figure it out on their own, and that's kind of a long, uh, kind of a long struggling road. And uh, and sometimes you don't get it all. And uh, one of the things that the Appleseed program does is it gives you the fundamentals. And uh, for Santa Martha's and my benefit, because it's my pet peeve also, 
Let me reiterate that it's the fundamentals of shooting, not the basics of shooting, the fundamentals of shooting that are going to travel with you the rest of your shooting life. <coughs> and, uh, and we give it to the folks. Now, we're not going to make you a high-power shooter, but we're going to give you the tools that you can put in your toolbox that you will use as a high-power shooter. Uh, you were at the Fort Stewart event also, and uh, give us your take on it, Doug. I thought that uh, I think we learned as much as they did. I think the instructors, uh, by the end of the week, we had we had learned enough to where we could probably start over again and and uh, and teach more efficiently. They they learned a lot about shooting. <laughs> They learned a lot about shooting, and we learned a lot about teaching while we were there. Well, you're right, and and that is that should be you know part of the after action uh, or part of what everybody says after almost every event. Because I know that every event I go to as an instructor, uh, I learn a great deal about instructing. What I should have done what I did do right, what I felt that I didn't do uh, well, and uh, and each event for me. Now this was a completely different type, so I'm sure that you you got a lot more of this feedback than uh, than at a regular event. But each event, <clears throat> if you're a good instructor, that's what you that's what you take away from the event is how much you learned uh, from uh, instructing at the event. Yeah, definitely. You're definitely right about that. I was I was very impressed with those men. Uh, they're out there in all that Kevlar and body armor and and heavy heavy clothing and equipment, and uh, and they're still they're still shooting and nobody was complaining. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I believe uh, Senator Martha was talking. We were talking about that last week. <clears throat> About how uh, the guys that that is the the rule of the range there. You know, one, for one thing, it's safety. You know, if uh, if something does happen, and it's happened a lot more on military bases than it ever has at Appleseed, uh, is if there is an accidental discharge, they want them to be protected by their uh, by their body armor and their their K pots. And that's how they're probably going to be shooting. So better for them to go ahead and learn right then and there than to uh, than to learn how to shoot with nothing on, and then have to get down into the shooting position with all their gear on and say, "Okay, now this is completely different." Exactly. <clears throat> because uh, when you're laying on top of uh, ten magazines, uh, a half gallon of water, uh, a pistol. Uh, uh, 300 rounds of uh, uh, of uh, ammunition for your the belt-fed uh, weapon that you're have, helping to serve, uh, grenades, etc. Everything else. That's a different shooting style than sitting there well, with a, a t-shirt and jeans on. Scout, you got to remember though that kept them out of the water on the first day. Yeah, I was telling Son of Martha that uh, when I looked at the photographs, <coughs> that was a very telling. Uh, some very telling photographs when you're looking at the rifles laying on the line and only parts of the rifles are sticking up out of the water, then uh, 
That's uh, there's a lot to be said for for that day of shooting. Uh, if, uh, anyway, it was a it was a very good experience, and I, I certainly hope that more of the Appleseed instructors uh, get the opportunity to uh, to participate. <laughs> now, whatever you, what do you think about the guys' uh, reaction to it? Uh, how, what was your take on that? Were they uh, did they did they did you feel that they felt that they had uh, that they had uh, learned a lot at the event? I think they did. Yes, they. Uh, everyone that I talked to um, was was very appreciative of our coming down there and working with them. Um, I think they their attitude changed when they found out that we were there on our own. That uh, no one was paying us to be there. Well, I can tell you that as a as an American soldier uh, and experiencing both sides of it, that it produces a you have a completely different feeling uh, in your mind when you're looking uh, at a bad situation. You have a completely different feeling in your mind when 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 the deciding line is: am, Can I make the shot, or do I know how to make the shot? And the other side of that is. I can make the shot. I know how to make the shot. I know how to. I'm the master of my rifle. I know how to make the shot. Those are two different perspectives, and they produce two different feelings as far as confidence levels for the troops. I think they uh, they left with a lot more confidence than they than they came with. They all of them, I think, were were uh, greatly improved, and and I think uh, part of that was in their skill, and part of that was in their mindset. Okay. Uh, all right. We've got. Uh, okay, I guess uh, Santa Martha left. He said he wanted to get somebody else. So we still have room. Uh, there's still two more positions left on the switchboard. If you guys want to call in, just let me know that uh, uh, that you're getting that you're calling in, so I can make sure that I'm uh, uh, make sure I'm paying attention to your number. Okay, oh Glory, welcome to the show. Hi, Scout. How are you doing this evening? I'm just fine. Well, just fine. I want to tell you thank you for putting all for getting all this together, me uh, all the disc and everything, getting them to me. And uh, you're welcome. And give me you're your welcome. take. Give me your take on the event. Um, it's an incredible experience. Um, I was tasked as the detachment historian, so I tried to. Um, record everything possible. Um, I took about a hundred pictures every day, and Sergeant Cap and uh, P. Henry both had uh, video cameras along, so I I used those a bit. And VA Shooter had brought a digital uh, handheld recorder, which is what made the audios possible, which I think are the most invaluable besides the pictures from the week um, as far as recording the events. So um, it's it was an honor to be a part of it. And um, I think it was about either Wednesday or Thursday um, when I saw the men um, holding up the RWVA targets and um, 
those red coat targets and and it wasn't until fr- you know I knew there was a significance to that um so I had to capture that on film but it really wasn't until Friday that I realized that um this unit was the Swamp Fox Battalion and uh just kind of blew blew me away <laughs> to um uh, to see that so it was very cool Um, so they are uh, part of Francis Marion's men, and that you know that ties the National Guard history right to the RWVA, and it it just seemed uh, when we were presented with um, certificates on Friday, and um, we were we were presented with with um, okay, uh, I'm gonna play uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. play another section. Real quick, no, nobody hang up, and you don't. Nobody needs to make any more room. Dwayne, don't you pull off because uh, uh, nobody needs to make any more room. I'll give you guys a. I'll, I'll post it in chat if anybody if we need to clear out any lines, or I'll just hang up on some people. But uh, we've still got plenty of room right now. Uh, I'm going to play the. Let's see, we have Lieutenant Singletary and Sergeant Reinhardt. Uh, which one do you think? Uh, one do you think is going to be better for right now, OG? Um, maybe, maybe um, Sergeant Reinhardt's uh, statements. Uh, he's he's the man who said that um, he he wanted to do everything possible to make sure that his men um, had all had all the skills that they could have um, when they go when they're deployed. So. He uh, is really responsible for uh, bringing Appleseed to the National Guard. Okay. So I think, I don't know, I, what does anybody else think? <laughs> what do you uh, think, uh, VA Shooter? Uh, Doug took off because uh, he okay. thought he needed to make some room. I'm just going to go ahead and play oh. it, and, uh, and we'll, yeah. uh, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, it, uh, it cleared. There we go. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, boy, I tell you, this this software gives me so much grief. Uh, Scout, I learned so much doing this. I had no idea how to change digital from a handheld recorder and get it onto a computer <laughs> and how to get pictures burned to CDs, and I, it was a total learning experience for me. So. Yeah, uh, we did too. Now. I have to give my wife uh, thanks here because she put in, uh, I would think, at least uh, oh six hours on uh, getting on uh, switching over. F- first of all, Blog Talk couldn't use the the CDs in the format that you that I got them in, so they all had to be switched over, and uh, they all had to be cheap. So she had to download programs to do it, train herself how to do it, and then switch it over. Okay. Then we yeah. found that uh, the the bandwidth uh, there wasn't enough bandwidth uh, at at any of the prime times for it to accept it. So she had to download more programs in order to be able to split the split oh. the uh, CDs up, and then she had to get up early early in the morning to uh, to load them while nobody was using Blog Talk. Well, so hopefully give, it'll. Be... I want to give her thanks for doing that. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And hopefully it'll be worth it for people that can weren't there so they can hear what it was like. The closing statements of Son of Martha are remarkable. Uh, uh, and okay, here we go. This is uh, Sergeant Reinhardt's closing. On a personal level, there was a man who lived back there in Victorian England named Rudyard Kipling. He was a poet, and he had a son who he loved very much. He called his son Jack, for whatever reason, because the boy's actual name was John. And he wrote a poem for his son. The poem is called If. And it goes something like this. If you can keep your head when all those about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, then make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hate, and yet don't look too good nor walk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think but not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the words you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or see the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose, start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue, or talk with kings but not lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can feel the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, then yours is the world and everything that's in it. And what's more, you'll be a man, my son. John Kipling enlisted in the British Army. He died in 1914 in some obscure little town in Belgium. And Rudyard Kipling was never the same again. Every one of you has somebody who loves you, who cares about you, who depends upon you. Parents, grandparents, siblings, children. care of each other over there. You're going halfway around the world to meet up with a bunch of 10th century blooded-minded barbarians who are going to try to kill you dead. And you only get to die once. Do everything you can to make that at the end of your life. Take care of each other. Come back to us because we need people like you in this country. That's all I have to say. You have a good evening. Yeah, that was the closing statements of Son of Martha to the truth. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, then there's two sets of them. They were marked, uh, it was mm-hmm. marked 
Sergeant Reinhardt closing number four and Sergeant Reinhardt closing number five. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'll go ahead and run the uh, the number five now. Field Artillery 
accomplish its mission. In keeping with the traditions of the field artillery, your professionalism, dedication, and self-sacrifice have clearly demonstrated that you have the fortitude to be declared, to be declared one of Marion's men. Revolutionary War uh, based in your historical uh, background and what you bring to the table. Uh, I don't know if they've told you this. I'm sure they have that, that our battalion is known as the Swampfox Battalion. And obviously a tribute to Francis Marion who hails from the part of the state of South Carolina where we're from. So being one of Marion's men is a thing of pride for, for us. <clears throat> and uh, along with the certificate, we've also included one of our patches, which we're going to be wearing into Afghanistan. So uh, please wear those with pride. And we've also included a little brief history. It's the 218th uh, Infantry Brigade uh, shoulder sleeve patch that we wear, as well as our unit insignia. Now, that's, there's no history on there, but it's the Swamp Fox on the, on the unit crest, or DUI, distinctive unit insignia. We wear on our Class A uniforms, or mess unit, or dress uniforms. And at the bottom it says true and tried. Now, you guys are true and tried for having come out here on Monday and got waterlogged. And then we begged your asses the rest of the week. So, again, from the bottom, you know, I hope I'm speaking on behalf of the team when I tell you thank you so much. Again, it's, it's been a just tremendous honor to have you guys with us. And, and golly, I just, y'all reinforce what's good about America. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Ed Yeager.
uh, guys, these targets that we used today, this whole week, we didn't pay for them. The Army didn't give them to them. These people put money out of their pockets. We'd like to make a donation to your organization to uh, property resources. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I think it's going to obviously pay big dividends for us for the time that y'all carved out of your lives. I don't know if, if it was uh, very clear towards the end, but um, they made a donation to the RWVA, and they presented that to us. Um, well, I heard him say that uh, he said, hey, you know, we didn't pay for the targets, or these weren't the Army targets. They brought them with them and mm -hmm. stuff, and they wanted to make a donation. So they actually made a donation to the... Uh, yes, they uh, did, and I believe that they, um, they did that amongst themselves. It wasn't something that... Uh, I think that was a personal donation from uh, the brass. Ah, uh, well, yeah. That just—they uh, were good guys, and you could tell—you could tell they appreciated it. And uh, even though it sounded like they were—were were they giving uh, Doug? Were they giving VA shooter a hard time? I thought I heard them uh, announce his age <laughs> on there. <laughs> they did. I think that was a, a thing of honor, not a <laughs> shame. <laughs> Oh man! Well, you could tell. You could tell by uh, uh, the the sound of their voice. You could tell by the clapping and the cheering uh, how much they appreciated it. And and like I like they were talking about, uh, like uh, Santa Martha and Doug and everybody was talking about. Uh, I'm sure that uh, it put a, a completely new perspective on it when they said these guys are not uh, they're not actually contracted to do this. They came here with their own free will, uh, unpaid. And let me remind everybody that you guys were unpaid. Uh, RWVA didn't even pick up uh, travel or anything else. Uh, I mean, that's right, isn't it? I mean, you guys had to uh, find your own way there and your own accommodations and everything. They did provide us uh, with um, meals and the barracks. Uh, right. We... we we had a place to stay. And this wasn't a this wasn't a paid. Uh, right. This wasn't like most applicants right. where we pay the instructor's way. I mean, you guys paid your own way. There. Well, you could tell that uh, you could tell it meant a great deal to the men, and uh, and it made a great deal to me. I see one of the guys here in the chat room uh, says hillbilly hauntings. Uh, he said, old Army training doesn't leave you. I actually stood at attention when he said attention to orders. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I can understand it. I get the same feeling. You know, whenever uh, it, it doesn't leave you. You know, it, once it's in your once it's in your blood, you know, it, it it's in there. You know, once you've been a soldier, it's in your blood, and you you'll always be some part of you at least will always be, uh, you know, a soldier. You there, old glory? Okay. I don't know if I don't think that I did that. Anyway, uh, Flathead, if you'd like to call in, I don't see you here even in the uh, uh, even in the lineup anymore in the in the chat room. Uh, Ron, if you want him to call in or if you want to call back in, uh, we could use you. And uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to play some of the soldiers' comments uh, from the uh, from afterwards. This is like a compilation of the comments from the uh, the soldiers. Did you qualify? I qualified. I got 31 out of 40. I'm happy. I did at least five or six more better than I normally do. I, only, I qualified five behind my sergeant who was talking junk to me. I got close to him. I'm a winner in my book. Did you qualify? Yes, I did. Uh, I hope I did. I'm not yeah. sure. I didn't see the score. You didn't score yet. You think you learned something today? Yeah. I yeah. probably made... Probably about 10 more points higher than I usually do. Good. Did you qualify? <laughs> you did. And what was your score? 36. And have you tried the test before? I don't like the test. What did you think about the instruction today?
Right. But no, they're sitting there. They're over there. That's it. I was sitting there. See, now they're over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in here. That's interesting. Give me time to, uh, I'm not going to do math, but they give me time, you know. <laughs> but they talk about it. It's time they get it. Yes. And they help each other out then. Yes. They'll, they'll teach each other. Yes, they will, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that told me, okay, with them, the, the yellow. Yeah, the talking targets. Yes. Yeah, that'll help too. Yeah. So if you get some range time, and you can go together with, you know, as a team, you help each other out. Well, you know, some men got their favorite instructors, so you know, yeah. the kind of thick mustache. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they Sam. know. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. So Absolutely. They got a favorite him. Uh, he was, basically, Sam was mostly yeah. talking to them, so they got a favorite Sam. Yeah. You know, they need that yeah. to know Sam. Yeah, that's a good thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I wish we had Sam was off the two side. Follow Sam over here. <laughs> So now they are ready. I'm sorry. Plus our fortification, the real work comes up uh, four more weeks. Okay. And they can't wait to go there. Now, but let's put it on the way to all of the tools that before us. Mm-hmm. Nothing for the good things here about what you're doing. Okay, like earlier this week? Yes. Okay. So tell us, you yeah. can wait to get there. You okay there, you can have fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot. Yeah. None of the souls I wanted to wait from a first tune or fourth tune to second tune to. Mm-hmm. None of them say anything bad. They're all crazy. They all say, man, it was pitch training for burning. And we all excited. They say, man, we can't wait to get there. Yeah, good. I'm glad it's helpful. Oh, very good. Too late. 
Okay, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, I think if he had a seven one two number, I think he called in and right as I was getting ready to bring him on the air, he hung up and then uh, he left the chat room too, as far as I can tell. Go ahead, give it to us. Okay. There was a. Uh, he was uh, the overall line boss one of the days, uh, stationed right in the center of the line, and one of the soldiers next to him, tall, skinny kid. He wasn't taking it too seriously to start with. The fellow's name, I believe, was Odom. And he was just kind of, you know, making the, the rifle go bang and not, not really concentrating. And so Jim went over to him and said, you know, Odom, uh, you know, the chain of command has told us that you guys who don't do well on what we're trying to do today, if you don't qualify on our AQT, they're going to make you recycle this Saturday. And it was supposed to be an open weekend. All the soldiers were looking forward to going home on the weekend. So uh, that really worked to concentrate Odom's attention. And he started trying to do what we were telling him, what we were asking him to do. And lo and behold, it worked. And his shot groups started getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And everything started to fall into place. And he started really getting enthusiastic about it. I can, I can distinctly remember a couple of times seeing him dancing down there when he would go to look at his target. <laughs> and he started talking it up to the guys around him and got those guys fired up. And so we had a, a, a nine, about a uh, uh, about a team sized unit right there that was that was almost competing with each other, patting each other on the back, building each other up. It was really good to see, and it was all because of this one little white lie that uh, that Jim told him about having to recycle. So when Jim told me that story, I just put it out to all of our instructors that we weren't going to make a formal announcement of it because then somebody call us on it. But whenever you had the opportunity during the day, just kind of pass them the word on the download that if they don't do well with what we're trying to teach them, they're going to have to recycle this weekend. And so oh. we started doing that to all the soldiers for the rest of the week. <laughs> I yeah. think they'll forgive me. Sergeant yeah. Reinhardt really liked that whenever I told him about it. He got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> what about uh, Lieutenant uh, Singletary? He was the... Uh, uh, the range safety officer, right? Yep. Yep. Range okay. OIC. He spent uh, uh, a good part of the time in the tower, you know, keeping the big picture in mind. But every now and then during the day, he'd come down and, and observe. And, uh, you know, he seemed uh, I'm a first great guy, very professional soldier, like I said last week. But he seemed to uh, also kind of get invested in this. I got the feeling a time or two that he wanted to grab an M4 and get on the line with these guys. He did a wonderful he, job. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I bet he did because uh, I'm telling you, whenever, uh, you know, when I'm sheep bossing an event or even when I'm not, even when I'm just uh, monitoring uh, an event and, uh, you know, you get the uh, you get the, the story or you get uh, a good uh, sexual instruction, uh, motivational instruction taught by, uh, uh, you know, one of the instructors – and uh, and then he calls out, you know, the preparation period has begun, and uh, almost every time I'm I'm ready, to, uh, I almost take that first step to head to my rifle because uh, because I want to shoot. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the problems with becoming an instructor is, at each level, we take a little bit more away from you. You know, we, first thing we do is take your rifle away, then we then we take your instructing ability away, and but. Uh, <laughs> Oh well, but, the responsibilities. <laughs> but it, uh, but it's very fulfilling, 
I mean, it's very fulfilling. Uh, I know that uh, I know that the guys, whenever they, whenever I'm monitoring an event, they always, uh, you know, they always, uh, you know, feel sorry for me, and they'll they'll let me jump in and tell the story or or teach a certain section or something because, uh, uh, you know, they, they know I'm dying to. Uh, let's see. Well, you are one of the old hands of the program now, so nice to see they're taking care of you. Yeah. Did you yeah, notice during exactly. the shoulder comments? <laughs> did you notice during the shoulder comments? Uh, one of them that really stuck out to me was the guy who was commenting about the yellow sheet we passed out. That is the the shot group analysis sheet that we use at the Alpha Seeds. And, right. Um, uh, and this is from what I could gather from all the feedback I could get. This was the first time the soldiers had had actually had pointed out to them how to analyze a target and use that to determine what might be happening that keeps them from achieving their goals. Now, of course, well, you know, whenever they qualify and, and whenever they have basic rifle marksmanship in, in basic training, they look at shot groups, but they're mainly just looking at the size. And uh, they, they normally just shoot three shot, three round groups. And with us having them shoot five round groups after we had them rough zeroed, uh, you're able to discern from the pattern, get some ideas of what's happening. And they, they kind of like that. One more piece of the puzzle. Yeah, well, the first time that I saw it, uh, you know, when it, when it was first handed out to me, I, I was looking at it going, oh, my gosh, this is a gold mine. You know, uh, I wish uh, I wish I'd known that this even existed. Not that the paper existed, but that the uh, the information that it held existed. You know, that, that there was actually a way that you could look at your target, at the series uh, of rounds that you had fired, and discern from the the holes in the paper what you're doing correctly or incorrectly. You know, the whole concept of talking targets is so extremely important, and I try and hammer that into the heads of the folks that I'm teaching because, you know, I tell them, I said, from now on, you're, you're not going to have an instructor with you every time you go to the range, except this right here, and that's your talking target. Your target, tar- your, your target will now be your instructor from now on. Because every time you go to the range, every time you go walk down range and look at your target, you should not leave uh, the uh, the target line without all the information that it can give you. And uh, up until that point, up until that had been taught to me by you, uh, it wasn't even a concept that I was aware that uh, that you could do. You know, before that, you go to uh, a range, you shoot uh, five, ten, fifteen rounds, and you go down and you look at a target. And there's some holes in it, and maybe there's not some holes in it. And what is it? What do you get from that? Well, you you have no idea what you get from that because you don't know how to understand the, the language that the target is speaking in. And uh, when you come to an apple seed event, <clears throat> that's the one of the things we're going to give you. We're going to give we're going to teach you to speak targetese because uh, that is such a vital uh, part of your shooting experience is being able to understand what your target is telling you. Absolutely. Did you also notice in the soldier comments, one of the gentlemen was making reference to the rapid-fire cadence that we teach. Uh, seemed like that was something that really stuck in his mind. The little right. the little building blocks that you put them all together, and they turn you from just a, a pretty good shooter into a, an outstanding shooter. Fire right, and you started and, off in your, in your, uh, during your opening uh, comments with the rifleman's bubble. And uh, 
And that is an extremely important uh, concept, too, is for the folks to understand that, that whenever you're getting ready to make the shot, the only thing that should matter in your universe is that next shot, not how many shots you fired before that, not uh, if your last round you, you shot it and it went into the dirt or if you shot your neighbor's target. None of that matters. The only thing that should be mattering in your universe is the shot you're about to take. That's the only thing that matters. And, the only uh, thing you have influence over. Exactly. And, uh, and, and thinking about anything else, about uh, how poorly you did earlier, or about uh, the hot brass that's stuck on your neck and sizzling, uh, how hungry you are, how tired you are, uh, sweat in your eyes, mosquitoes, wind, dust, nothing. Nothing matters in your life at that moment except the shot you're about to take. And that's an important concept. The rifleman's bubble, rifleman's cadence. The first time that I actually hit a cadence, uh, and did it well. And, of course, unfortunately for me, it wasn't at the boot camp. I didn't have a good shooting experience uh, at the boot camp. Uh, and it was because I couldn't figure out Rifleman's Bubble. <clears throat> but the first time I hit Rifleman's Cadence, uh, it's like if you've ever ridden a horse. You know, you've got a, you've got a couple of, uh, of, of uh, motions of the horse, like when, you, when you're walking – it's very uh, jerky, and the canter, I mean the, uh, the trot, is very jerky. And then you hit the good canter, and you become one with that horse. It's the same thing when you're shooting. Whenever you hit the rifleman's cadence, and you're squeezing off that uh, shot, and every time you squeeze off the shot, you ride through the recoil, uh, you are inhaling, and you're exhaling inside the recoil. You get to your respiratory pause, and unbelievably, your front side is on the target, and it's ready for you to do it again. And when I hit the Rifleman's Cadence and was able to to uh, fire a uh, an aimed round in a four-minute-of-art group every two to three seconds, it was just a, a marvelous feeling and, uh, and extremely important to becoming a Rifleman. Yeah, I've noticed... At Appleseeds, you can kind of tell whenever the students are getting the concept of rifleman cadence down because you'll end up having two or three or four or a noticeable number of shooters on the line start touching their shots off at almost the same time, almost like yeah. a volley. And, and, and whenever that starts happening, you know, okay, whether they realize it or not, they're starting to get their cadence down. And uh, I can remember when that happened to me when I first started shooting with the RWVA. And uh, first time, it ha of course, we were all shooting center fires back in those days. And it was me and the guys on either side of me. We just started touching them off at almost exactly the same time, about three or four rounds in a row. And I, I remember thinking, huh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> and what it was, we were getting the cadence down. We were all about the same physical ability, all about the same level of knowledge. And we were doing the, the respiratory pause, trigger press, follow-through at the same rate. And so that's one of the things I listen for when I go to Appleseeds now is, is to try to get that. And I've actually developed a, a drill to try to force it to happen, which sometimes works really well, sometimes not so well. But uh, it, it, it's, it's one of the 
Okay, Scout, I'm getting I'm getting a low battery alert here. Uh, let's see if we can get some other instructors to call in. Uh, Flathead hopefully will be back in a moment, and you got a couple more listening. Uh, okay. I drop off all of a sudden. It'll be because my battery died. Okay. Well, listen, I, I'll tell you, I did hit. Uh, I did. I was able to hit the rifleman's cadence as far as the timing of it. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, uh, but I could hear you and Fred talking back behind me. And uh, I was right there in rifleman's cadence. Bang, 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 bang. Man, I was firing away rifleman's cadence. But I didn't have my rifleman's cadence married up to my natural point of aim because uh, I was shooting, but I wasn't hitting anything. And uh, Fred, I think Fred said, is it just me or is it, or is he just not hitting anything? And uh, <laughs> and you said, I don't think he's hitting anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was okay. I'm looking, I'm looking on the chat here, and yeah, it's okay to quote the AQT scores there. They're not. Uh, that's not anything that they were concerned about us letting out. If you want to play that audio clip, right? Let me see if I've got that here. Then, uh, <clears throat> okay. I think that that might have been edited out because I can't. I couldn't stop it on here. So I think that I asked my wife to edit that out because I wasn't sure if that was uh if that was gonna be okay or not. Let me see, uh uh I think I have I think I already played that section, but I will play let's see, we've got eight minutes. I'm gonna play just a couple of seconds of uh of Lieutenant Singletary's AAR because uh after listening to him do the uh the opening I really liked his uh, style. So here we go. So you are I wanna get some couple of improvements on these two and a couple of things things on good. I like to have the good things last, so I wanna get the improvements I wanna get the improvements first, right? So what do you think that we could do to make this good? Smaller group. Smaller group? More one on one. More one on one?
that gave us some Maury's interesting. Something else, isn't he? What's that? He's something else, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he had a little bit of, of one of the guys did make a good uh, uh, suggestion, which he said was have the rifle zeroed before we get to the range. Uh, you know, which is something you need to do. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm supposing that it's, uh, even though it's guard, it's no different than any other regular unit. You know, whenever I uh, I spent a year in the guard, and uh, uh, you know, my my firearm was my firearm. You know, I had an M203, uh, so uh, you know, once it was zeroed, it's zeroed and it's ready to go. There should be two. I mean, they should have their zeroed, and uh, uh, but who knows how much time they have? They they get, uh, you know, at the range. Well, most of them, uh, the uh, irons were zeroed, but like I said, this was the first time they'd ever been able to live fire with the optics. So I got the impression that they'd, they'd had the optics bolted on the rifle for a while, because, you know, the guys carry the rifle around everywhere while they're there on base, take them into the barracks, chow hall, everything else. So uh, I got the impression they'd bolted them on a while back, and this was the first opportunity to uh, uh. do it. Okay, Sergeant so Reinhardt said that they they had uh, they were competing with several other units uh, for range time. <laughs> right, Hawk, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Well, what do you think about it, the uh, the folks there at the uh, at uh, Fort Stewart? Oh, it was fantastic. I was just, I liked uh, hearing it brought it all back to me real quick. It was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Uh, but now listening listening back on it, I can see where it came in. Whenever you were talking to them, where uh, uh, Ron was talking to them about the uh, sites, uh, I bet for a lot of them, it was the first time they'd ever seen those sites, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, they picked it up real quick, though. Um, the instructors got got a quick drill on it, and uh, I mean they're in, like in the other optic, but we were able to show them how to wring uh, most of the can out of them. Well, now, since they had both, they had the, uh, like, the ACOGs and stuff and uh, the flip-ups. Uh, did they get uh, did they ha- did they get both zeroed? No, we primarily worked with just the optics. Okay. All right. Well, I think that I probably would have tried to, if it were me, I would want to make sure that I had my iron zeroed and then my glass because, uh because you'll always have the iron, you know. Right. I couldn't agree with you more. <clears throat> but uh, if we'd had them for two days, um, that would have been something we could have done with them. Right. And I'm sure that uh, is somebody working on uh, uh, rewriting the program so that uh, when it happens again, uh, you have uh, ironed out the uh, the next uh, courses of fire. And you've incorporated the stuff that you learned and stuff. Is somebody uh, writing up a uh, another uh, one day apple seed kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think uh, Son of Martha is uh, tasked with uh, developing that. He mentioned it earlier in the in the chat room that he was had better get cracking on it because some of these other units are getting ready to stand up, and we may get called into to doing a repeat with them. Well, yeah, that, there, that there, was there, great. there were a lot of lessons learned that we can transfer pretty easily to uh, another unit. Uh, the, the difficulty, you can't make an ironclad course fire from it from the standpoint that the uh, the units are going to task us with different things. Like in this example, uh, um, we were very much discouraged from doing anything with irons. Uh, the, the, the whole uh, emphasis on it was to, 
teach them the optics. Fortunately for us, most of them, most of them did show up with zeroed irons. Uh, the ones that did not have irons zeroed, we just had to mechanically zero them. Uh, and uh, actually had at least one uh, squad that showed up on the last day where the squad leader was really squared away. Uh, he had had his men mechanically zero his irons and then co-witness the uh, M68 red dot uh, with the front sight post. So those guys were easy. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, I, I am tasked with making a, a lessons learned for future military opposite shoot bosses, but it's going to be very general in nature. Yeah. And I think okay. a lot of the platoons, the, the, lesson, the stories were passed down from platoon to platoon all week, so the, the guys at the end of the week showed up knowing a little bit more about what was going on in the guys the first of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, uh, we've got 18 seconds. In the, I want to thank uh, Dwayne, Hawk, Sam D., uh, Son of Martha, uh, everybody involved in the program, and I'm, that's just the guys that were on here tonight. I also want to thank uh, uh, all the folks who went and uh, – I want to say that uh, we're praying for you, OG, uh, O'Grunt, that is, for your recovery, and that we hope to see you back on the line, back instructing as soon as possible. Uh, If not, I'll do it in a wheelchair. (laughs) Okay. Well, then you call me, and I'll come up, and I'll push the wheelchair, all right? Outstanding. Outstanding. Thanks to each and every one of you involved, and uh, to the other OG, to O'Glory, thanks for uh, all the work that you did on that. Uh, thanks to everybody in chat tonight and uh, and everybody involved in the program. We'll see you back again uh, next Tuesday, and uh, God bless you all. Merry Christmas uh, to everybody, and uh, we'll see you this, uh, this next week. Adios, everybody.
with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.